Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. God's grace. It's all about the gospel. And as Peter is talking to elect exiles, he is reminding us to focus our attention on the good news. The good news that reminds us that dead people may live. The good news that reminds us that living people may have a purpose. And the good news that reminds us that spirit-filled people can have victory. That's the gospel. And I need to know that as a elect exile. I need to understand that God in a very special way is giving me everything that I need. Everything that I need in order to travel this old This morning our text begins with verse 7 and we'll go down through verse 11. Let me read this text to you as we share together 1 Peter chapter 4 beginning with verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Peter says the end is at Hand. Now, a lot of times when we think about that, we think of some guy with a sign walking the streets telling us that the end is near, and that certainly is true. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us about the rapture of the church, that he would not have us to be ignorant brethren, but be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says that the the coming of Christ is going to be like a thief in the night. And certainly the end is near and it's closer today than it's ever been before. Amen? Jesus is coming again. And you and I can look forward to his return as he takes us out of this world to be absent from our bodies, present with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord and I am looking forward to that. How about you? But as Peter is talking to these travelers, those who are journeying life, I think he really has in mind this. The end is near. We are close to the finish line. A couple of weeks ago, Connie and I went on vacation, and we decided that we would extend our vacation as long as we could, so we checked out of the place we were staying on Monday, knowing that I needed to be back for activities on Tuesday. We checked out of this place in Myrtle Beach. We left early in the morning, not real early in the morning, probably 8.30 or so, and drove 14 and a half hours back to Battle Creek. Now, once we got to the state of Michigan, we knew the end was near. And we just kept our eyes focused. Connie was driving at that point. And we relied on that which we knew which was before us to keep going. 
We were tired. We'd traveled all day. It wasn't a lot of fun. But we also knew that once we got home, it was going to be worth it. We were going to get to sleep in our own bed after two weeks in somebody else's bed. I was going to have my own pillow. You understand that, don't you? And it was going to be so good to be home. You and I need to realize that the finish line is approaching. And even though we're tired, and even though we've been after this for a long, long time, we need to understand that we need to finish strong. You see, the reality is, the end is at hand. So finish strong. Peter is going to help us know what that means this morning. He's going to help us identify what needs to happen in our lives so that we can finish strong and so that we can recognize what God would have us to do. The first thing that we need to do is we need to be self-controlled and sober-minded. That's what the text says in verse 7, does it not? The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Now, maybe when you think of self-control, you think about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Well, this is a different self-control than the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, the same word is used for self-control and sober-minded. And it has the idea of clear thinking. It has the idea of not anxious, not out of control, calm in manner and life. Don't let life upset you because God has a plan. I had the privilege of teaching the Berean class this morning. And one of the truths that we looked at was that God has a plan. Will you say that with me this morning, please? God has a plan. One more time. God has a plan. Do you believe that? Now, if God is in control, it only goes to show that you and I can be comfortable with that control. And that we can indeed be self-controlled, sober thinking, not anxious, but recognizing that God has a plan and that he is going to work all things together for his good, for our good and his glory. Amen? The end is near. It's okay. God's in control. Therefore, be self-controlled, and sober-minded. I'm so thankful that God knows exactly what's going to take place in my life today, tomorrow, the next day, until I get home. That's the kind of God we serve. And we can trust that kind of God. But not only do we need to be self-controlled and sober-minded, we need to be strengthened in prayer. That's what it says here in the text, does it? Be self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. Now, this is the third reference that Peter has used to talk about prayer. 
In chapter 3, he says that we husbands are to dwell with our wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto them as the weaker vessel that our prayers be not hindered. And our interpersonal relationships are so very important to God. They're so important that they affect our prayer life. He also tells us in chapter 3 that the ears of the Lord are attentive to our prayers. And here in chapter 5 he says, be self-controlled, be sober-minded. Why? Because prayer works in the heart of God. Now, this word prayer always is attuned to God. It's prayer to God. It's our worship before God. And we can understand that as we pray, we can worship God and recognize that He will receive our worship. We'll see that in just a moment. So so prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is worshiping God for who he is and that he is in control. Prayer, worship, calms our spirits and reminds us of our need to depend upon God and that he has everything under control. Amen? So, we can indeed be self-controlled and sober-minded. We can indeed relax because we worship a holy, sovereign, creator God who does all things very, very well. Now, as we continue to work through this, we need to see a shift that Peter is going to make. Three times he is going to use two words to help our focus. And I want you to pick out these two words as we look at verses 9, 10, and 11. Those two words are one another. Do you see them there in verse 9? One another. Do you see it there in verse 10? One another. And do you see it in verse, I'm sorry, in verse 8? One another. Three times God uses these words to help us focus our attention because what he is going to do is he's going to shift the attention from sovereign God to our relationship with each other. And as he does that, he tells us that we are to respond to one another in love. Look with me at verse 8. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Keep loving one another. Don't stop. Isn't that what Jesus said? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love one for another. We never have an excuse to stop loving one another, to invest in each other's lives, and to minister to each other. And how do we do that? We do that earnestly. The idea is that we put some effort into this love. That we respond to each other's lives. That we invest. You cannot love without putting some 
effort into your love. Love just doesn't happen accidentally. This past week, I had a birthday. Thank you. I was waiting for somebody to say that. It was a significant birthday. It ended in five. 75, Dave? No, wasn't 75. I will tell you that even though Connie was out of town, she had a birthday cake for me on Wednesday night. It was very sweet. And it said, happy birthday on your 65th what? birthday. I almost said wedding anniversary. On your 65th birthday. There were several who said, that can't be wrong. Those two digits are switched. Connie, thank you. She put some effort into that. She had it baked. She had it writ upon. And she had it here on Wednesday night. That was love. Thank you. Oh, she just threw me a kiss. We need to keep loving one another and we need to love each other earnestly with some effort recognizing that what we do does give a message to those who are around us and not only are we to love earnestly we need to know that love covers a multitude of sins isn't that what peter says when i love you i can put up with you when i love you I overlook some things in your life. Kind of got home yesterday afternoon. And as she got home, I am working outside, putting a roof on a playhouse that, that I've built. And in order to do that, I had to get the extension ladder out. Now, my extension ladder is one of those old aluminum jobs. You can dance on it, and it moves. Well, Connie knew what I was doing, and she backed the car into the garage. Well, in order for me to get the extension ladder out, I had to pull the car out of the garage. Later on, she apologized to me. She said, Tom, I'm sorry. I, I, I should have known that you need the extension ladder. I said, no problem. You know why? It didn't amount to a hill of beans, and she didn't know. And so my love for her just overlooked that. It was no big deal. I didn't yell at her. I didn't tell her she should have known. I didn't berate her. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, I don't know what you struggle with it with interpersonal relationships. But can I ask you, does your love for that other person override the difficulties in that relationship with each other? We need to respond in and we need to respond in love above all. Isn't that what the text says? No matter what else is going on in our lives, we need to respond in love. No matter what else is happening, we need to respond in love. Charles Swindoll said this, If there is ever a time we need to stay close to each other, it is today. 
Don't play into the hands of the enemy. This is the time to stick together. Don't waste precious time criticizing other Christians. Don't waste time criticizing another church or some pastor. Don't waste time worrying about whether we're singing hymns or playing the organ. I put that in there. Don't waste time whether knowing whether somebody's sitting in your seat. Spend your time building up one another. Staying fervent in love. Above all else. Gandhi one day was talking to a missionary friend of his. And he said this to his missionary friend. I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. They are so unlike your Christ. Wow. Respond in love. But not only are we to treat one another with with love, we're also to openly sacrifice and share in each other's lives. Verse 9, show hospitality. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, this word hospitality is only used two other times in the Scripture. It's used in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and it's used in Titus chapter 1. And in each of those times, it is used as a qualification for spiritual leadership within the church, for the pastor, for the bishop, for the elder. Let me tell you this. A pastor cannot earnestly love from a distance. A pastor cannot earnestly love without investment. And here Peter says, use hospitality to exhibit your love for one another. May I tell you this? Believers cannot earnestly love from a distance. Believers cannot earnestly love without investment. And the hospitality that we have for each other is investing in each other's lives to help us grow and to help us develop and to help us be more like Jesus Christ. And yet we try to have that happen at arm's length. We need to be willing to openly sacrifice and share in each other's lives. And did you see the qualifier here? without grumbling. Gagusmas is the Greek word. Doesn't that sound like grumbling to you? Gagusmas. Why? Because it's a privilege to be involved in each other's lives. It's a privilege to share. It's a privilege to invest. Now, I'm not looking for dinner reservations or invitations. But what I'm saying is that you and I, if we want a relationship with each other, need to figure out how to do it with hospitality and bringing each other together. And that's more than just being in a worship center at 10.50 on Sunday morning. We've got to figure this out. It's connecting with each other. We not only need to do that, but we need to notice others' needs and serve. Verse 10, as you have received a gift. 
Peter is talking to all the elect exiles. He's not just talking to pastors. He's not just saying, pastors, you've got a gift. He's not just talking to deacons. He's not saying, deacons, you've got a gift. He's not talking just to music, musicians. Musicians, you've got a gift. He's talking to every child of God, every believer, everyone who is an elect exile on this journey. He says, you've got a gift. May I stop right here and ask you what your gift is? You know, I can't do anything. Can you pray? Now, Peter identifies two. One is speaking, one is sharing. Can you say a kind word to somebody? Can you put your round, arms around somebody and encourage them and build them up? My mother used to say, can't say anything nice, don't say anything. I think we could practice that. And I want you to know that when we do speak those kinds of words of encouragement, what does it say? We speak from God. The oracle's from God. And when we do invest, when we do serve, we serve in the strength that God supplies. See, it's not about us, it's about God, right, man? It's not about who I like or don't like, it's about God, who he loves. It's not about who I'm comfortable with or who I'm not comfortable with. It's about who God's comfortable with, right? And if you and I understand that concept, then we can invest in each other's lives. Because we need to know that each of us needs this encouragement. Jerry, was there a time in the past, oh man, what's it been? Three months. That you needed some encouragement? Oh, you were there, right, Betty? Were you encouraged when somebody texted you or sent you a card, let you know that they were praying for you? You see, until you get in that position, you don't know how valuable that is. And Jerry had a need. You've been given a gift, use it to serve. That's what Peter's saying. You and I have been gifted by God to make a difference in somebody's life. Do it! That's how we finish strong. And what's the most important? To glorify God. Verse 11. It's kind of a doxology. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. If you want an interesting study, study the doxologies of the Scripture. In chapter 5 of 1 Peter, we read, To him be dominion forever and ever. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Peace to all of you who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I love the doxology out of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. 
To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before, time, before all time and now and forever. Amen. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. Why? Because he deserves it. Hmm? Because he deserves it. So how do we finish strong? The end is at hand. It's here, folks. Jesus could come this afternoon before the Cary Dairy Family Farm Fellowship. Amen? And that'd be all right, wouldn't it, Steve? That'd take care of a lot of problems, wouldn't it? Jesus may come today, glad day, glad day, but until he does, I want to finish strong. I want to make sure I'm still pressing toward that mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How about you?